Arriva Boateng, numero Boateng! This goal was scored by the Ghanaian prince Kevin Prince Boateng in the Champions League group stage of 2012 in a 3-2 home defeat to Barcelona. That was probably my favourite goal of his, bro. But the most memorable moment for me is that game against Lecce. Oh my god, that hat-trick that he scored. It was incredible, bro. He came on, he had come on as a half-time substitute oh, while Milan were, Milan were down 3-0 and he scored three goals and then Yepes got the winner. And he had two of them were absolute bangers, man. He had that they half were. volley with the outstep into the top yeah. corner and then the second one was from distance as well with the outstep and into the top corner again man yeah man absolutely breathtaking man um crudelli of course we have to give a shout out to crudelli that was back when i was really into his stuff nowadays i find him a little bit annoying <laughs> i mean i i still seek crudelli and and even um suma's commentary as Suma, soon as yes, milan win a game as soon as milan win a game i want to watch it with their commentary on yeah. it like i'm upset that we couldn't find a commentary piece for this one this one in particular he was going bah, bah, bah. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we can put that at the end no I am gonna put it at okay, the end. That was that was the fantastic. that was the original plan. But for some reason, when I was looking for Crudelli's shit, it all seems to be filmed off a, an old like big box TV that emits more background noise than it does sound, man. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, we weren't blessed with the technology we have nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> but as I said, bro, this is one of my favorite Champions League goals in the history of Milan. To be honest, the way he extended his leg in midair to control the ball. Chopping it on the landing past Abidal and firing Oof. it bottom corner, man. And then the celebration, the trademark cartwheel. Mm. Incredible, man. He was a, an absolute showman, man, this guy. Everyone in the stadium like would stand up as soon mm. as he got the ball. He just always seemed to have something different up his sleeve. And fuck me, was he great at pulling it off. For sure, bro, for sure. I remember seeing him in the World Cup with Ghana mm. and thinking, like, how I wish this guy played for Milan. Oh, and you then he actually that. went after You were saying got that, him. I remember. I couldn't believe it. I remember in 2010 when there was the Ghana mm. scandal, they were doing really well. There was him and Gian. Gian had moved to Sunderland, <laughs> uh, yes, if yes. I'm not mistaken. Um, but it did come in waves, you know, his, his qualities. It's true, especially towards the end of his Milan stay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah especially during his second stint. He had that second spell at Milan as yeah. well. But even in his prime, he was never that consistent footballer. Like He was often criticised for his carefree attitude, a bit of a bad boy reputation yeah. as well. In fact, that his led sexy him, girlfriend. His sexy girlfriends, his tattoos, he had yeah. the fucking crown tat- tatted on his neck as well. Um, but this attitude and this kind of reputation has led him to play for one too many football teams. It never seems like it settled down. Yeah. He had Hertha Berlin, Spurs, Dortmund, Portsmouth, Genoa, Milan, Las Palmas, Frankfurt, Sassuolo, on loan to Barca <laughs> from Sassuolo, Crazy. Fiorentina, on loan to Besiktas from Fiorentina, Monza, and now he's back at Hertha Berlin at 35 years old. Where it all started. Yes, he's really bounced around, hasn't he? <laughs> um, to think, you know, had he had some continuity, he might have mm. been able to develop a little bit better, yeah, maybe, and yeah. achieve some more longevity. But his 2011 season was good enough for me, you know. I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, that, that was definitely his peak. Yeah. Like, the World Cup in 2010, and then the following, I would say, three seasons at Milan. Let's say that three out of his four seasons at Milan were incredible. Yeah. And then he found himself to be part of the banter era, the start yeah. of the banter era. And he was even benched during that period. 
Which is weird because he went from playing with Nesta, Silva, Zambrotta, Pirlo, Seedorf, Van Bommel, Pato, <laughs> Zlatan, Robinho, Cassano, all those guys <laughs> to, to playing with Muntari, Montolivo, Honda, fucking Destro, oh Bonera, Balletta. There was um, SCN at the end of his career as yeah, well. That, exactly. You'd think he'd be a key player, but he had dropped off. Yeah, he had, he had dropped off at that point. Um, but to him, I wouldn't think it matters too much who his teammates are. Because first, firstly, his success with Ghana. And secondly, he literally chose to play for Ghana over Germany. If he wanted great yeah. teammates, I'm guessing he would have chose Germany. Like his brother, Jerome, yeah. by the way. That's that guy. Back, and that guy as well. Yeah, but um, th- in reality, it was a safe choice. Because he might not, he would have never played for Germany. He wanted to rep his country as well. eh? But should he have tackled Balak the way he did in that final (laughs) Pompey against Chelsea FA Cup? He injures his brother's captain. (laughs) 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 They they like they were notorious for falling out and never speaking again. Basically, after that. Yeah, till today, I think. Till today, I think they might not be on good terms. But anyway, Mm. well, Um, one of them just got bailed out. For, yeah. for one point something million from, yeah. from prison. So um, <laughs> in fact Kevin Prince Boateng had distanced himself from his from his brother okay. after the scandals. Oh yeah yeah I heard that. But anyway, you know they were the first two brothers to face off in the World Cup. Oh wow in the history of oh, wow that the makes World sense. Cup, like, yeah. That makes sense. They were I can't two think brothers who played on separate teams. Yeah I can't really think of another case where where that happened. Hey bro, same For some reason No, there wasn't There wasn't another No, there wasn't another case In the World Cup at least, no I mean, you're probably right Well, you're definitely right To be fair But fighting over Because, you know One brother injured The other brother's captain So that captain Mm. couldn't make it To the World Cup Can't really ever imagine That happening to us, bro It'll take a lot To get us off this sofa (laughs) (laughs) To injure each other's captains Apparently Definitely not getting off the sofa, man Not anytime soon Hello and welcome back to Serie A Spotlight We're your host Jake and Matt Here for episode 36 this time Are we going to do that thing where we react to the episode number every time we read it out Like oh my god 36 That's crazy (laughs) How are we here? I remember like it was yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, guys. Um, we post all of our content over there. Of course, don't forget to rate the podcast. Anything between three and five stars, please. That would be nice. I mean, you know, like we said, do five stars, like, and it will make no difference to your lives whatsoever. So I Unless you think you we're five. shit, then give us like one star. Exactly. Star. No or problem. you're a little Indeed. bit racist. like. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. These aren't English, man. <laughs> We have to address the prediction series. We do. So we came draw for the first time ever. Yeah. It was like 8-8, I believe. So Jake gets the correct score of Atalanta against Venezia, which was 3-1 to Atalanta. Yeah. And I guessed Spezia against Torino, which was a 2-1 victory for Torino. I also guessed the Genoa score, 1-0. You guessed the Genoa score? And you guessed another one, I believe. Didn't you guess the Milan one as well? Oh, I did too, yes, actually. Are we sure that we came drunk? <laughs> seems, seems like a fucking one here. <laughs> Let's double check that. So we're back after double checking. Jake is just pulling shit um, out of his ass. I am like... literally just making stuff up. <laughs> 
he guessed. I, he I guessed said one one Genoa. for Genoa. He I, said Genoa draw like me one one. Yeah. But I said one nil on Twitter when I was talking to David. That's oh. why I, I got confused. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, I'll take it. Draw. And then I guessed the Juve to Sassuolo 1, and you guessed Milan to Lazio 1. So both of yes. us guessing 2 1 away wins. There. Draw, I'll take a draw right now. You're desperate for the wins. I am desperate for the wins. Four games to go, and it's not going to be easy, man. It's not going to be easy at all. I'm not going to need to owe you three kits, and I'm going to need to find a way how I could get out of it without tarnishing my reputation. <laughs> You're going to have to make it really cool. You're going to have to get really cool kits. That's the only way out of it, dude. I guess, I guess. But anyway, guys, this was a top weekend of Serie A football and a mental midweek. Like, I, yeah. everyone was worried about, you know, um, there was the Champions League one. Yeah. And City took on Real Madrid. And the score was 4-3 to Manchester yeah. City. And the quality of football was so high and was so end-to-end and so explosive. Oh, and people, people on Twitter were like, how the hell are we going to watch Serie A now? How the fuck are we going to go from watching City to watching Goodenese? Guess Honestly, what we just did. Every fucking game was crazy. Like, let's yep. let's quickly. We literally you. just watched Bologna Inter over Liverpool via Real. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and exactly. I have over zero. a Champions League semi final. I have zero fucking regrets, man. Zero. Especially none. with that outcome. In fact, um, it all started at six o'clock, bro. Yep. The madness. I was already, I was still at work. Like, was driving Fiorentina home. at home to Udinese, and you would have said, "Hmm, can Fiorentina mm. edge it a little well, bit here? Is it can they be climb? a draw? You yeah, know a draw I mean? at most. Udinese won four 0 Udinese just do that, and then lose to Salernitana. Yeah, like. Exactly. Uh, Mari scored the first goal in the twelfth minute. De Olafeu in the thirty-sixth. And then Wallace in the 91st and Udoji in the 95th. My God, till the end, man. Till the end, till the end. We've discussed before that Udinese have this flair about them. They can absolutely demolish teams they nowadays. Can, man. Um, but I didn't think they could dismantle Fiorentina like that, especially away. I am petrified to play Fiorentina this weekend as a Milan fan. Yeah. And Udinese just did that away against them. That's fucking impressive shit by Udinese. Man, Fiorentina are no walk in the park, man. So Not at all. Like. Udinese take on Inter, Fiorentina take on Milan. Crazy. That's crazy, honestly. Oof. We'll see we'll see what happens there. Um, the next game after that was Atalanta 4 Torino 4. My god, the mayhem. Goals from Sanabria in the fourth minute, Muriel in the 18th, followed by a Darun goal with a Muriel assist, of course. Lukic scored a penalty in the 36th and then scored again in the 63rd. Four goals in two games for Sasha Lukic. Yeah, these were both penalties as well, yeah. man. And He's a penalty a... in the last game as well, so there goes three of those. He's a fucking fantastic rigorista, <laughs> apparently. In the 67th minute, Remu Freuler scored an own goal and then Atalanta turned up the fucking... What's the expression? The heat. The heat, sure, <laughs> turned up the heat. And fucking Torino had to get out of the kitchen, dude. Pasal... <laughs> Pasal in the 78th minute. Mozart? <laughs> Pasal in the 78th and then Muriel once again in the 84th. It seems like the Colombian is back. 4-4. Um, of course, Atalanta will be disappointed with this considering they still have European aspirations. Yep. Um, a good result for Torino once again, again as they continue their, their good spell. Facts. But I think ultimately um, Atalanta will be happy with the point considering they were down 4-2 in the 67th Yeah, minute. maybe, maybe. But anyway, bro, um, the, of course, the big game, the big Wednesday game that everyone was waiting for. <sighs> that what I mean. fucking infamous you know game I mean. in hand. Let's do it. Let's do it one pretty. last time, bro. Let's do it one last time. Inter sits second with 67 points. Of course, they have a game in hand against uh, Bologna. <laughs> Milan first by two points ahead of Inter who have a game in hand. 
There we go, man. Rest oh, in fucking peace. Dude. Ciao, ciao. Arrivederci. Bologna, two, Inter, one. Oh my God, man. It that, start- that is genuinely so good. I think we should tone it down a bit, bro. <laughs> <laughs> let's keep it. Let's keep it nice and neutral. Uh, um, neutral podcast. Of yep, course, you're right. Um, you're right. Of course, Inter have taken a massive blow over yep. here. You know, yep. and a loss, not even a draw. Exactly. Them. They have literally put the ball once again in Milan's court. It's just they're just passing it to each other right now. Yeah. You know, um, Milan gave the league to Inter. Napoli gave it to both of them. Yeah. Now Inter are just handing it back to Milan. And, and and we'll see what happens in the next four games, man. We'll see, because honestly, Milan's coming is, is really fucking tough. Oh, like. very difficult. Very difficult. Does that make them more ideal fixtures for Milan at the moment? Some um, might argue the case. We've discussed previously that um, the fact that they're going to be open games against teams that attack you will actually play into Milan's yeah, favour. Exactly. exactly. Um, so that might not be the worst thing in the world, but let's keep our feet on the ground. Yeah, you know? yeah we shall. We we'll shall. not get carried away. Um, the goals came through, of course, first Ivan Perisic in the third minute. Things seem to be going really well for Inter. The 3-0 Coppa victory against Milan, now a goal in the third yeah. minute against Bologna in the game in hand that Milan fans had been so hopeful about. Yeah, And what and a goal it was by Perisic. It man. was fantastic, Jesus man. Christ. And then just one chance for Arnautovic, that's all he needs, of course. 28th minute across from Barrow. Found Arnautovic who converted it with the slightest touch with his head. Yeah. What a goal, though! Yeah, it, uh, it was, it was, and and you know Arnautovic has just been on recently. He's really been on top of his shit, and he's a big reason as to why Bologna have kind of turned their season around now. I would say definitely. Um, and in the 81st minute, a blunder from God. from the goalkeeper who replaced Handanovic, Radu. Radu. He yeah. um, fucked up a back pass, like let it go through. It would have been an own goal. It was heading yeah. in. And yeah. then Sansona just came in and slotted it yeah. home. And yeah. then- he, he positioned his body to play the ball with the right away from goal. But for some reason, he off-balanced, whilst off-balanced, he went with his left and he directed the ball towards goal. And Sansona was running in. He got the tap in. And the, probably the biggest three points for Bologna. Yeah. And the biggest three points for Inter as well, losing them. For sure, bro. He ran straight to the curva, you know, celebrating. It was mm. fantastic to watch, to be honest with you. But yes, what an entertaining season we've had so far. That was just the midweek. We have 10 games to talk about now. Yeah, I would say that this has been the best Serie A campaign in eh, ages, bro. Since that since that Juve-Napoli one, yeah, I, would, probably, I would fucking probably. say. It's been that entertaining, man. It has. And um, it's crazy because this is the season we've decided to fucking start our podcast. You see, and look man, what the season is. You see, you see, it blessed us. And we blessed them. They made our content very easy to roll out. It's true. So, guys, before we get down to talking about each and every game that happened in match day 34, we'd like to read the results out to you, you know, in case you're going to work and you want a full rundown before listening to fucking two hours. No commute exactly. takes two hours. So efficiency is key like efficiency is key we normally like to keep you guys on your toes but we're here to satisfy and you. you'd think that reading 10 scores in a row would be really monotonous and boring but to spice things up i'm gonna give you a beat while you do it oh thanks a lot dude thanks a lot <clears throat> so it was saturday afternoon at three o'clock and torino kicked off the first match of the weekend facing spezia at home winning two goals to one 
The next game which followed that was Venezia against Atalanta, the Venetians at home. Atalanta managed to get away with a rare 3-1 victory over there. The same score followed in the Inter against Roma game, where Inter got away with a 3-1 massive victory for them. The next game was Verona against Sampdoria, which was a stalemate at 1-1. Salernitana managed to beat Fiorentina, two goals to one, crazy stuff. Our last episode name was, can it, could it be? I think it can. The next game we covered was Bologna-Odinese, that had a draw written all over it, and the fact that the score was 2-2. Empoli shocked the world by beating Napoli 3-2, getting the double over them this season, thanks to Amaret Blunder. Genoa beat Cagliari in a relegation six-pointer, making things look kind of better for Genoa as well as them and Salernitana are level. Lazio faced Milan at home at the Stadio Olimpico. A late winner by Sandro Tonali leads Milan to a 2-1 victory and to the top of the table. The last game, which was on a Monday night, was Sassuolo 1, Juve 2. <laughs> was that difficult for you, man? That was, I don't think I'll be doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> I think it adds character. But fuck it, whatever, let us know what you guys think. So the first game we're going to be covering is the Inter 3 Roma 1 game, obviously the headline game of the weekend. The reverse fixture was Roma 0 Inter 3 in the Olympico goals from Chalnoglu, Zeko and Dumfries. They also faced off in the Coppa where Inter won 2 goals to 0 goals from Zeko and Sanchez. So Inter are coming off a 3-1 win away to Spezia, whilst Roma are coming off a 1-1 away draw to Napoli. So Inter are now unbeaten in their last 10 Serie A matches against Roma. They won four of those and they drew six of those. This is the second longest win streak that a team has against Roma. Um, this is 10 and Milan hold the record with 17. So Inter replaced D'Ambrosio, Bastoni and Correa with Devry, De Marco and Lautaro, whilst Roma brought in Mkhitaryan and El Sharawi for Cristante and Zaniolo, who are both out injured. So in the 30th minute, it was a superb ball by Chalnoglu that put Dumfries clean through on goal. The Dutchman finished cleanly past Patricio. In the 40th, Perisic played the ball to Brozovic on the side of the box. Brozo cut in past Mancini and cunted the ball into the top corner, leaving Patricio rooted to the spot. Patricio, obviously Patricio. I mean Patricio. <laughs> in the 52nd minute, a corner by Hakan was headed in by Lautaro Martinez. Obviously Lautaro has just had a great run of form recently. And in the 85th minute, Roma got one back after Shumorodov played a cutback from the byline. Karsdorp fainted and let the ball run through his legs. It landed to Mkhitaryan, who smashed the ball in. So, bro, your initial thoughts on this game? So, I was surprised at how how weak Roma looked, mm. to be honest, from the get-go. They looked frail eh, against, against they the did. center side. And it makes sense, I guess, just looking at their midfield. We have a lot of technical players in that department. You know what yeah. I mean? Many players that do well in possession. Um, against center, you're not going to get much possession. You're going to have to do a lot of running and a lot of dirty work. Now, mm. the double pivot was Mkhitaryan and Oliveira. Now, Mkhitaryan has played well in the double pivot role before, yeah. but of course that's not really his it's natural, his natural position. position. No. Exactly. And Sergio Oliveira, once again, is a dead ball specialist. He's good with the ball at his feet, but out of possession, he's very frustrating. Yeah, he's fact. a bit weak. He's yeah. a bit weak in that department. Same thing can be said about Pellegrini and El Sharawi, of course. Not the best. And even Karsdorp and Zalewski aren't the most physical players. Like They were pretty much out-muscled in every department. Mm. 
Um, even Lautaro and Zeko could hold their own against the the, the very formidable Mancini, Smalling and the Bunnies, like physically. At least. Yeah, facts, facts. And I think Roma had no answers in each and every department for this game. I think Inter were just the better team, literally everywhere, bro, from the defense to the midfield to the attack to the goalkeepers as well. Yeah. I mean, it, it was just a brilliant performance by, by Inter and they really managed to overpower Roma. If there's one way you can beat Roma, you need to overpower them. They're going to bring that firepower, they're going to absorb the game and they're going to come at you. But Inter managed to get three goals. There was no way Roma were gonna come back at them. They came back yeah. at them, they got one goal through Mikitari, and that's the best they can do. They had absolutely no answers on either part of the pitch, bro. They had mm. no answers in the offensive department, no answers in the defensive department, exactly. of course. Um completely, completely outclassed. Roma had two big games in a row in Napoli yeah. and Inter, and one point is all they could get. Yeah, I mean coming into the games, would you have expected any other outcome I think one point is somewhat of an achievement from these two games I mean you have Napoli who now in hindsight after the poor spell that they're on you could have said you know Roma could have gotten the victory here Mm -hmm. but Napoli and Inter are two of the toughest sides to face and Roma were on the receiving end of that we know their history against the top seven actually they managed to to get past Lazio convincingly this year but otherwise they have struggled against the top seven teams they have, they have. And this whole project with Mourinho is supposedly one that is long-term. Yeah. Well, you know, three years at most, I would say. Yeah, so this is only year one. Yeah. So we'll see. Like, you know, it was already a good thing that they managed to push up to that top four spot and even, mm-hmm. you know, challenge for it ever so slightly. Yeah. Um, we'll see what year two can bring. Of course, a few transfer windows under Mourinho. Mourinho likes, uh, he needs a powerful transfer mm-hmm. every now and then. And Mourinho. he knows the players that will play well for him. You know what I yeah, mean? Like yeah, he can bring the selection in, is yeah. like no other manager He goes has. for the mentality. He goes for players that will die on yeah. the pitch. Like yeah. when he signed Fabregas and Diego Costa, he told Fabregas, Fabregas, look, I'm signing Diego Costa. I just want you to feed him and we'll win the league. Like, decide yeah. <laughs> to win the league. And they won the fucking league, man. Fabregas had the record assists. Costa had the record goals. This is the eye that Mourinho has. And I'm sure one transfer market will get Roma potentially even back to the top four, man. Yeah. They had 55% possession in this game to Inter's 45. Um, Roma had two shots. Inter had eight. No shots on target for Roma in the first half, whilst Inter had four shots on target in each half, bro. Yeah, that's, you know, again, consistently good. You know, determined, sharp, experienced. It was a complete performance, unlike the one against Bologna. Yep, I think we do need to kind of shift our focus to that because we don't want to be out of date as a a podcast. Inter have just lost to Bologna. Two goals Mm -hmm. to one away from home. This was their game in hand that they had... You know, from the beginning of the campaign, when, when COVID had come again and the, the people in charge of the health, I forgot what that's called for some reason, the health authorities, the health authorities, the health yeah. authorities um, banned Bologna from, from traveling to the stadium and from the game from happening. So Inter were there. So Inter wanted the 3-0 walkover because yeah. they made the trip and Bologna didn't. They appealed and everything, of course. It was an official trial, like an official hearing. Yeah. And that didn't go through and they have now lost two goals to one. And that goes to show... Serie A, look at how much this shit matters. You would have given Inter the 3-0 walkover that perhaps they would not have deserved, clearly. And suddenly now, they're in second, two points behind Milan and equal on games. The league is now once again in Milan's hands. Have Inter bottled it in this or or did they face a Bologna side that are currently on hot form and they're obviously hungry, as we've mentioned before? 
I mean, every team is facing sides that are on top form and hungry right now. You Facts. know, I mean, Milan have to play a Fiorentina side, the best Fiorentina side in the past, what, 10 years? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. They have to face Verona, they have to face Atalanta, they have to face uh, Sassuolo. Sassuolo. Yeah. In the last so game are, away from home. There are tough games for everyone right now. So, you know, you need to win them. And as we discussed in the last podcast, and, you know, we really praised Inter's maturity, saying that they don't lose, that at yeah. worst they draw. In yeah. this case, they were let down by an individual error, of course. And mm. Uh, mm, and that is significant. I mean, this guy hasn't played a fucking minute before this man almost. You could pretty much say he hasn't played a minute yeah. this this league. And he comes on, you know, for 90 minutes and he makes that mistake. And I feel incredibly bad for him, honestly, even Same as someone here. that supports He'll the He'll never play team. for Inter again. Yeah, it, uh, well, well, we'll see what happens with his career, obviously, but... Incredibly difficult for him to bounce back from that, obviously, on the big stage. And if this goes to Inter losing the league, then his name is going to be dented for generations to come, I'm, I'm afraid. Do you remember Karius in the Champions League final? Oh, my God. What, what happened to him? He went to Besiktas? No, no, I don't even know where he is anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he, he had a good spell and then at Besiktas. But you lose 3-1 in the Champions League final and two goals are clear goalkeeping errors. That obviously ruined him and, and subsequently he was forced out of the club eh? and that could potentially happen <laughs> potentially to Rado because that is literally a final yeah definitely bro so Inter are now in second place two points behind Milan whilst Roma are in fifth and they are now a full eight points behind Juve in fourth the next game we're going to be discussing is Lazio 1 Milan 2 the reverse fixture was a Milan 2-0 victory, goals by Leao and Zlatan. And they had also won in the Coppa Italia 4-0. Um, yeah. Everyone scored that game. Yeah, literally. Lazio were coming off a 1-1 home draw to Torino, while Milan were coming off a 2-0 home win against Genoa. Fun fact for you, bro. Milan are unbeaten in their last 12 Serie A games. Nobody talks about that. When Roma do it, when Inter do it, everyone's talking about it. Everyone seemed to have forgotten because Milan got a couple of draws. Milan are fucking unbeaten in 12 games and that is an impressive run. It is, it is. And many clean sheets in those 12 games as well. This is the first time since 2008-2009 season that Milan have done the double over Lazio. Oh, look at that. Look at us. Yeah. Fucking crazy stat, to be fucking honest. Fucking raw. I, would have, I wouldn't have thought so. Hey, man. Hey. But anyway. Lazio made one change from their previous lineup. They brought in Radu over Marisic, not the Radu, in goal for Inter today. <laughs> <laughs> not to be confused. Not to be confused. By the one that looks exactly like Samo Castillejo. <laughs> Milan brought in Calabria, Brahim and Messias in the places of Gabia, Benasser and Salamakers. Yep. In the fourth minute, Sergei Milinkovic-Savic breezed past Kessie and Theo with a single touch of the ball and crossed to Chiro Mobile, who slotted it past Mike after getting round Kalulu. Yeah. In the 50th minute, Giroud managed to get a goal back after some high pressure from Milan. and Theo found Leo down on the wing, who sped past Acerbi. He cut the ball back to Giroud and slid in and finished into the near corner. That was the first time Leo cut back that game. Yeah, it, it was, and it, and it came off. There were a lot of shots from tight angles with way too yeah. much power. Um, but Very frustrating. His teammates around him tend to often be frustrated by him. They show it, they show it. Yeah, but of course, you know, um, that's typically what you get of a player of that caliber. You know, you're going to get maybe six frustrating moments for one goal, but that goal exactly. is going to be... You know, important, it's every game pretty much. Yeah. At, at his peak, maybe. Yeah. In the 92nd minute, finally, after everyone thought that Milan had bottled it, 
Um, Sandro Tonali scored thanks to some hard and heavy determination by Ante Rebic yeah, to agreed. win the ball back. Um, yeah, he whipped it in. Of course, Acerbi made a fucking mess of it in the box. Um, Zlatan ended up heading it to Tonali, whose outstretched touch yeah. got it into the back of the net. Literally at toe poke. He took it down his thigh and then he was so outstretched to get that. So determined after 90 minutes of play, 92 minutes rather, he toe pokes it past Rakosha. Just takes his shirt off instantly, yeah. runs to so many fans, like yeah. so many in the curva. It seemed like Milan were home this game. Hey man, yeah. hey, it was crazy. And you know, it's always funny when someone takes off his shirt in celebration and he's wearing a, a, <laughs> an undershirt. Like, <laughs> what's the point? What's the point? Like, no, I guess it's the adrenaline just wants yeah. to make you take your clothes off, I guess. Had yeah, he taken so. off both of them? Is that two yellow cards? Has anyone ever <laughs> taken off his pants after scoring a goal? I'm sure there have been. I, I knew a guy right? at Melita. That <laughs> <laughs> there, there has to be someone that took Hope his pants you're listening. off. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, fantastic scenes, of course. I watched the... The Tonali goal, bro, like a hundred times. Oh, I man. watched it that with... That angle, that, that cameraman behind the goalpost. It's like. crazy. It was recently posted on our stories, guys. It was absolutely fucking crazy. The footage was mm. unreal. Like, um, I've seen the goal with um, Rocky Balboa on as a soundtrack. Okay. I've seen it with the Titanic soundtrack. <laughs> I've seen it with Suma's commentary. I've seen fucking everything, really. I've seen so many different versions of this goal. Like the French one, the Arabic one. They're all <laughs> equally crazy. Like, <laughs> pop, 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 Tonali! Tonalissimo! Thanks for leaving me all this, Jim. No Go. problem, brother. Um, possession. Milan had 53% to Lazio's 47. Milan had 25 shots to Lazio's 7. 8-2 to two on target, bro. What did you make of this game? Milan were so good. Milan, look, they conceded a goal because of, in my opinion, what was four players could have done better. Mm. Okay, in the opening five minutes, lapse of concentration for four whole players. So, Kessie was originally marking Immobile and... You know, Immobile controlled the ball and he's past Kessie, like, he's not the strongest person in the league. Yeah. And then Theo had to adapt to, okay, now I need to tackle him. But in the meantime, Savage had taken a brilliant touch and he got past him as well. So that's two lapses in concentration, which got him to that position. He crossed it in and Tomori didn't seem like he was in the ideal position to deal with it. And Kalulu seems like he was hard done by Immobile's yeah, movement. Yeah, he was. Immobile's so, movement in the box oh, is he's a thing insane. of beauty. He's incredible. Yeah. He, the way he attacks the spaces of the ball is nuts. So you can't really criticize Kalulu too much there. But, mm. you know, four players that could have potentially done better. For sure. And then Milan were incredible. And Milan it must so be good. said that Kalulu, bar that moment in the third minute, mm-hmm. had the mobile in his pocket for the rest of the game. 100%. You know? I, I would say so. Lacha didn't see much impressive. of the ball after yeah. that, not too much of it. Um, but yeah, Kalulu, dominant performance. Tomori, dominant mm. performance. There's no, no complaints. Nothing could really get past the high line. Eh? It's like Milan every time kind of pinged back possession. And because they can rely on tracking back as well. They've got four pacey motherfuckers. I mean, Calabria's not the slowest. He's not the slowest at all. He's not incredibly quick, but he's not the slowest. The, thing, the annoying thing about Calabria is he keeps running. Yeah, 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 never yeah, really yeah, slows yeah. down. Ryan Cominzuli yeah. effect. Yeah. <laughs> um, the two centre-backs in Tomori and Kalulu are quick as they come. Uh, four four centre-backs, 100%. And then Teo is obviously the, the quickest man in the world. Like, Yeah. This was the first match in a while for Milan, bro, where everyone seemed to play well. Yeah, 100%. I would agree with you there. You know, and, and you. I think that was the difference between this game and the previous games, maybe. Because Messias was 
so good on that right oh, hand Messias side. Oh, was a baller this game, man. He came so close at a point. I've never seen a ball closer to hitting the back of the net yeah. without hitting the post. Like. Yeah, and that would have been Messi-esque, that goal, where, he's, where he slipped it past Hisai, was it? Or yeah, Radu? He, he Radu timed Hisa. that shot perfectly. He hung on to it and he found oh. the gap perfectly, just a bit too wide, man. I don't think he could have potentially done better. Yeah. I think that was the best he could have done from that position. Perhaps if you really had to criticize someone's performance, maybe you could go and criticize Brahim's, I guess, you know. You could always criticize Brahim's I don't think lately. this is the game to do that, man. Yeah. I think he has so many games where you could do that. Let's not do it in this one. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. But I'm trying to think, like, was everyone really that good? Like, because in reality, in my memory, everyone was pretty mm. fucking good. There wasn't yeah, yeah. a disappointing player. Like, I'd say Tonali was great. Kessie was good. Um, Giroud, I think, for a striker who doesn't have pace and can't contribute in that area. Someone mm. that relies on the ball coming to him and a lot of groundwork being done before. I think his heading and his finishing should be better. He got a goal, yeah, so this isn't the right time goal, to say yeah. it. Um, but he did miss a couple of heading chances. And mm. you'd hope that with his height and, and with the goals we've seen him score before in the air, we'd hope that he'd be better at that, man. Yeah, I know. Hey, um, I, I, did, I was surprised by a few of the misses. Um, it has to be said as well, bro, that there were 10 minutes mm. that led up to the 80th, I believe. The 10 minutes that led up to the 80th, so between okay. the 70th and the 80th. Um Absolutely terrible from both teams. Like Milan, were just, uh, they were just giving it to each other. Literally, remember, we're like, "What the fuck are we watching? Mm, what is this?" Mm-hmm. Like those ten minutes were awful, <laughs> god awful. But after that, of course, Milan managed to get back into it, build some momentum, brought Rebic on, you know. Yeah, and um, they managed to go all the way. Yep, I think a, a, a shout out and a discussion is to be is to be held regarding Leao. Yeah, yeah. I think. You know, all of Milan's opportunities came through that wing, through his hard work, most of them, obviously, except for the goal. Um, But, obviously, he gets into those positions, and then the output is a little bit off. It's frustrating, but what do you make of Leao's performance? Was it more good than bad? No, um, it was definitely more good than bad. It was more good than bad, but it was, I think, more frustrating than good. Mm. Um, The thing about Leao is that we are currently witnessing a very, very, very fucking explosive raw talent. The ceiling is so high, but it doesn't mean that he's there just yet. He's extremely young, of course. Um, Hasn't been on the scene for too long, especially not in Italy. he, you know, the, it's all about flashes for youth players. Mm-hmm. And the flashes are happening more and more often. And that's exciting. You Bro, know? He had like seven of them in yeah. this game. Seven moments where he just destroys his man one-on-one. Then it's his decision-making that lets him down. But in reality, mm-hmm. you know, put yourself in that position once, twice, three times. That comes to experience. You know, he's eventually yeah. going to nail that final product. And if he doesn't, he'll slip into oblivion. Like, like and buy a fucking Nyang. Or like, exactly. I, I think I like... But but no, but there's you know players like Vinicius and then who always had that raw ability. They were just quick. They were skillful. They could get past anyone. Anyone on top form, they can get past them. However, and then the real improvement point would need to be the output, the decision making. That is then what makes a world class player. That and we saw Vinicius get there, and we're seeing it time and time again with him. I don't think there's a reason we won't see it with Leao. Is it more, you know, overconfidence or is it more what is the best option in this scenario? No, I think it's right now it's a little bit of um, youthful selfishness, shall I call it? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it's weird because you look at, as you mentioned, Vinicius Jr. 
mm-hmm. who plays on a, at a higher level than Leo, yeah, basically, because yeah, he's, he's playing for Real Madrid. Like, let's mm-hmm. be real. Um, Probably a tougher league in Serie A, but yeah. no, no, that's that's definitely not, <laughs> not true. <laughs> anyway, um, Vin- Vinicius Junior has been so humble. Yeah. He said on multiple occasions, I'm blessed to play with these players, I'm lucky to play with these players, you know what I mean? Like He's so humble about it and he, and he works so hard on the pitch. There are moments where I think Leao, considering his age and considering the fact that he's not really won anything yet, I feel mm. like he should be pressing more often than he does, man. And I know that it's probably an instruction, you know, conserve your energy for when you're on the ball, conserve your energy for when you're going forward. But there are moments, at one point the goalkeeper came out. He could have fucking pressed him, He could have definitely pressed him. And look, and, and, and this is the same performance as the last game. where Well, not the same performance as the last game, but the same issue he had in the last game where basically we would say, ah, he needs to be pressing more. I want someone that's going to get into the 50-50s and try to win it. Someone that's going to bleed and get into a collision mm. and, and try his hardest. And, that, and that's just not the guy, man. Out. That's not the guy to do that. That's the thing. He's the guy... That'll destroy three players and like curl it in and leave you with your jaw on the floor. Mm. That's what you get instead. You know what I mean? So I guess we can't have our cake and eat it. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully he can develop into a player that does both. But I do think that if he does improve his final product, he'll be bought instantly. Yeah, yeah. Well, nonetheless, he's still one of the players that have gotten Milan to the position they are today. Um, He was subbed out, probably out of frustration of the decision making it could potentially be it's potentially as he was replaced. that or mm. fatigue quite right because he had been running all game so it's one or the other yeah and Milan got that final goal without him so normally Milan tend to struggle to find goals without Leao but this time you know breath of fresh air when Ante comes on gives you the opposite of what Leao was giving you and then that works that is a substitution that has worked out a gamble that was worth taking and fuck me did it pay off man Really quick before we move on, bro. Do you think Lazio were unlucky to not go home with a point? I think Lazio... go home, sorry, I mean stay home because they were home. Yeah, <laughs> I think that Milan did enough to get away with a victory. Um, I think Lazio did well to hold their own for as long as they did. Um, but they were, at the end of the day, overpowered. You could see the shots, you could see the pressure that Milan put on them and the overall performance. I think it was a deserved victory by Milan. Sure, you could consider Lazio unlucky because they got so close, but it wasn't because of the quality that they brought. Yeah, their European dream is still on, of course, as they are currently in 6th with 56 points, um, while Roma are in 5th with 58 points. So they're very, very close to that and they are still in it. Yeah. Um, Milan are currently first with 74 points and no games in hand, baby, for Inter. Ah, so refreshing. Oh, yes, I get to cover this game. Fucking right. The next game we're going to be covering is Empoli 3, Napoli 2. The reverse fixture was actually Empoli's last victory back in December of 2021. Napoli nil, Empoli 1, thanks to a Cutrone goal. Napoli were coming off a 1-1 home draw to Roma and a tight affair, whilst Empoli were coming off a 4-1 away loss to Udinese, because Udinese do that nowadays. Empoli have now won their last three Serie A games against Napoli. Napoli have only won one out of their last nine away games against Empoli. You know, what is it about Empoli against Napoli? (laughs) Napoli made two changes, bringing in Juan Jesus and Mertens. Um, in the place of the suspended Koulibaly and Lobotka. 
Empoli brought on Viti, Parisi, Zurkowski, Verre and Cutrone in place for Ismaili, Libikakace, Bennassi, Bayrami and Lamantia. So for the play-by-play, it took up until the end of the first half in the 44th minute for Napoli to open the scoring as Lozano cut the ball back into the box and Mertens arrived, striking past Vicario who got a significant touch to it and probably should have done better and kept it out but it went into the back of the net and subsequently Napoli led into the break. In the 53rd, Insignia got what was just his second goal from open play this season, so Anguissa played him in and Insignia slotted the ball cleanly into the far corner on his weaker left foot, a mature finish by him, showing that he could be somewhat two-footed as well. In the 80th minute, Liam Henderson scored after Rahmani's tackle on Bayrami guided the ball to him, he controlled the ball and finished with power into the far bottom corner. Like, imagine something's gonna happen. It was then three minutes later. Pinamonti scored. Meret hung onto the ball for far too long and finally his attempted pass was blocked by Pinamonti guiding the ball into the net. We're talking about keeper blunders. This is as fucking big as they get, man. Alex Meret, second game in a row. First game was kind of good. This one, terrible. Yeah, three horse race, but only one of those horses has a goalkeeper. <laughs> Two goalkeepers. That has been brilliant, man. Fucking right, bro. Fucking right. He's played a massive part. Four minutes later, in the 87th, Bayrami carried the ball forward down the right flank during a counter-attack and opted to play a very early and low cross just ahead of the oncoming Pinamonti, who slid in and finished past Alex Meret, making it 3-2 for Empoli. Empoli with an incredible comeback in 10 minutes, getting three past Napoli to end Napoli's hopes of the Serie A and Empoli getting their first win in what was what, like... 15 matches, bro. I think Crazy. the first win of the year, for sure. The first win of the year, 100%. The last yeah. win was in December, bro. Exactly, yes, that's true. That was fucking crazy. But we'll hype Empoli up soon. Let's talk about the embarrassing bottle jobs that Napoli oh, are. I mean... You can't do this, eh? You can't, like, you can't be fighting for the league and lose to Empoli. Like, at least, you know, as we discussed last week, draw at worst. The worst mm. case scenario, you draw, you know. But a fucking loss, that's a bottle job and a half right there. They got and it it's not the first time Napoli have gotten into a... Napoli have shown us how good they are. There's no denying their quality. But as soon as they get into the, these positions where they need to show their stability and show their experience, they just don't manage. It's true. They just don't manage. Why do you think that is? Well, so it's hard to say because it's happened to Napoli time and time again over the past years, mm-hmm. that, that league against Juve, a couple Coppas and, and all that. Um, this season in particular, you could potentially bring up the argument that they have a top four manager. They do. They and do. a top four manager. You, you know what I mean? Period. Like, Well, he hasn't shown us anything more than that yet. Hmm. Yet. I thought that this was the time, but... Clearly not. I mean... It's their first season under mm. him. They're coming off a season with Gattuso. They're fighting for Champions League. And they didn't get it. So this is still a massive step into the right direction. But just yeah. bottle after bottle gets you thinking about what the team can do. Eh? Sure, definitely. I mean, bottle after bottle for the team. Bottle after bottle for the coach. You know, But at the end of the day, as you mentioned, Spalletti is a top four specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, he 
this is his first year at Napoli again, as we discussed. And many people had Napoli finishing fifth, yeah. sixth. Yeah, I think I was know, one of them coming into the season. Going bro. into the season, yeah. No, I had put them in the top four just because of, of Spalletti. But yeah, nowhere near challenging for the mm. for the title. You know what I mm. mean? Granted that that's over, but they did it for the vast majority yeah. of the season. You know, yeah. Up until the last match day, they were there. Mm-hmm. Um, so. You know, I would say that this is a bottle job, but it's nothing that's gonna cost, or that should cost, rather, Spalletti his job. No, I don't. I don't think so. I think, you know, his his goal in the contract would have been to get Champions League, and he's done an incredible job of making the Napoli fans believe that that this was possible. Um, a fun fact is that Spalletti actually started his coaching career at Empoli, and Empoli have done the double over him now. Yeah. <laughs> Empoli is a really nice place for managers to like get their careers going. So many people We've have seen so a many. Couple, eh? We've seen so many, a couple. Man. They've mm-hmm. brought some players up as well. True. Um, so let's talk about it. Meret was obviously a key reason as to why Napoli have bottled it. That mistake. We're just talking about Radu's mistake. This is probably probably worse because he had time and space on the ball. He just hung on to it for so long, bro. You're right. Um, and. You know, Napoli fans are saying that Meret's a young guy. Mm. One mistake at this level, one mistake against Empoli shouldn't determine his future. Okay. But then Radu, on the other hand, people are already calling for his head. Mm. You know what I mean? Radu's 24 years old. Standards. Meret is 25 years old. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. I don't think that this should be a detrimental moment for any goalkeeper in theory yeah. but in reality this is something that's going to be on their mind for the rest of their career the, every time no. they receive the ball for the rest of their careers yeah it could either be a, oh no what if it happens again or mm-hmm. it could be I'm going to make sure that that's never going to happen again exactly and we'll see what kind of goalkeepers they are like we saw Donnarumma had so many howlers and nowadays he still has a lot of howlers when it comes to playing the ball out with his feet but that last year at Milan showed a lot of maturity with that. He improved on the ball. And it did take a couple of howlers, but he got there. And Donnarumma, even though he's having a bad spell now, he's probably going to go on to be one of the greatest goalkeepers ever. Probably. Quite, quite mean... frankly. So it takes these mistakes to, to grow. The only funny thing is that they were comparing Meret to Donnarumma when Donnarumma was at Milan. <laughs> yeah. And that was hilarious at the time. I mean, they're both in, they're both error-prone. So, yeah, so I guess the, the comparisons are valid. Like. That's true. But anyway, um, yes, I think Ospina deserves to, of course, start. Um, 100%. He's he should, had quite a season. Yeah, man. they should go on with him. He's the goalkeeper. And I think that if they can't keep him for some reason, mm. they should actually bring in someone else because I wouldn't trust Meret with a full season just yeah. yet. You know, there's no rush. There's no, maybe a loan spell. You're 25 years old. You should be playing regularly at this point. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. I think he needs a loan spell. I would definitely say he could do it a loan spell. Not even in Bay, just at a smaller no, team, man. No, Not yeah, even at a newly promoted I mean, team. He could go to a mid-table team. But yeah. the thing is, would they need to loan one? But anyway, we'll, yeah. we'll see what they do about that. Exactly. So on another note about, you know, why Napoli might have bottled this. So in the last game, when Napoli drew to Roma late on, you criticised Spalletti's changes, taking off Ozyman, bringing yeah. on Mertens and, and so on and so forth. In this case, he took off Lozano and Mertens for Zielinski and Politano. Hmm. Now... That isn't a... Those aren't substitutions those are, are particularly criticised. Those are direct yeah, changes, you know what I mean? I mean, he's bringing on an offensive player and he's bringing on a midfielder to contain. Like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. not. It's nothing shocking. It's nothing negative. You know, he kept Ozyman on for the press and that would have been... 
negative, like yeah. he did last game, taking out Ozyman, a player exactly. who can press the whole back line for the whole game. So you bring on, they brought on who last game? Petania instead of him or something? Someone who no, can't No, they brought press. on Mertens. They ah, brought Mertens, on Mertens, yes. Uh-huh. Not, not the best presser anyway. Yeah, <laughs> took him off in this game, clearly for probably probably that yeah, reason. And yeah. Politano can't probably press in that case, or Zielinski. True. Um, well, Zielinski, because Mertens obviously played in that attacking midfield role, which was quite an experiment in itself. Not in that case, he could be caught between two minds because they get a 2-2 draw. You're not going to make a negative change. You need to keep your goal scorers on the fucking pitch, man, to get the, to get the victory. True, bro. But, you know, at the end of the day, fatigue is a thing. The season is long. People get tired. There are people, there are players who might be performing well in training and you want to give them a, a run. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, overall, Napoli seem down and out right now. Yeah, they do. They do. And they're out of the title race. Subsequently, yeah. it would take a fucking miracle for them to get the title now. They're um, just going to want to seal fourth spot, right? Not sorry, top four. They just want to get yeah. top four. Yeah. Top four, top four. And less lapses in concentration because conceding two in three minutes is just terrible. Um, Empoli's balls look a tad larger after they were they deflated do. for a while. Um, but let's see what else they can do. I mean, they got the job done. Um, they got the double over in Napoli and they stayed up. I think that is... Job well done for them. Sure, they have been incredibly frustrating. Um, but look at that, man. What a way to kind of end the season for them. For sure, bro. Um, Napoli are currently third with 67 points. Um, you know, fifth has 58 points, Roma. So, you know, top four is pretty much safe. All yeah, they have yeah. to do is hold out, you know. Exactly. And they're capable That's of it. getting a result now. Of course. It's like they're down of and course. out. Totally. So, overall, probably a successful season for them. Just disappointing for them that the three-horse race ended with a plane crash. You know yeah. what I mean, essentially. Yeah. But anyway. Um, Empoli are currently in 14, 37 points, vibing. Just vibing. vibing. Just enjoying life. In no danger. They're ahead of Spezia by four points. They're behind Bologna. By five points, vibing. Vibing. Straight vibing. So the next game we're going to be covering is Sassuolo 1, Juventus 2. Another banger, man. Another, Another absolute banger. banger. What a game this was. The reverse fixture was a 2-1 victory the other way for Sassuolo, of course, with mm. a Maxime Lopez late winner. That was. Those were some Crazy. nice scenes as well. Yep. Um, in the Coppa Italia, Juventus also beat Sassuolo 2-1. Now, coming into this game, Sassuolo were coming off a 1-0 loss against Cagliari in Sardinia, while Juve were coming off a 1-1 home draw to Bologna. Now, in the last 18 games between Sassuolo and Juve, there have now been 13 Bianconeri victories. Okay. Three draws and two Neraverdi wins. Jesus Christ. So, you know, Juve seemed to find no problems against Sassuolo. None at all, it seems. None at all. (laughs) Unlike Inter and Milan. Yeah. Juve had scored exactly three in each of their away games against Sassuolo coming into this match. So, you know, typically they do give it to them, man, honestly. Yeah. And this game, you know, if you had seen this game in black and white, you would have thought that Sassuolo were Juve and Juve were Sassuolo. Sassuolo did look the bigger team. They they looked like much the better team. But anyway, with an ever-lengthening list of absentees, bro, Allegri did not manage to fill the Juventus bench today as Juan Cuadrado joins Arthur, Weston McKenney, Manuel Locatelli, Caio George and Chiesa on the sidelines. Due to illness, Delict is only fit for the bench. Weird. Weird. You'd think if he's sick, like... Go home, you know yeah. what I mean? Rest, I guess he's bro. recently re- recovered. But anyway, leaving it to Rugani and Bonucci to man the defence while Vlaovic was bizarrely rested 
as Dybala linked up with Morata. Why would you rest Vlaovic when, you know, this is the only competition you have apart from the final? Fuck knows. Fuck knows, honestly. Play, no idea. Like, you want to secure fourth? Yep, no midweek games. But he got away with it, so we can't criticize exactly. him. That's how it works, man. Sassuolo made three changes out with Tolian, Ferrari, and Defrel in with Muldur, Kirikes, and Berardi. Um, it all started off in the 39th minute where a wonderful team move led to a sharp flick on by Berardi into the path of Raspadori, who finished cleanly from a tight angle. In the 45th minute, Morata dispossessed Kyriakopoulos on the wing and played it to Zakaria, who teed it up for Dybala, who executed it emphatically. In the 88th minute, Keane received the ball with his back to goal, turned explosively and shot it low and hard, just hard enough to get the better of the bamboozled Consili, who might have missed his daily shower wank. <laughs> <laughs> but uh. anyway, that was it, you know, um, 2-1 for Juventus. Of course, these are the impressive stats now, the possession stats. Juventus had 36% ball possession to Sassuolo 64. Sassuolo yep. had 22 attempts to Juve's 10. 7-5 to five on target. What do you make of this game, bro? So, really weird how normally we see Juve dominating possession. Whether they win or lose, we normally see them tend to dominate possession. They like to hang on to the ball, they like to feel the game out, and they like to play that negative football that we've spoken about um, the Allegri way, basically. Um, Sassuolo looked far the better team, man. They looked more convincing, which is hilarious because yeah. they lost the game. Um, they were playing the ball around nicely. They looked good. They looked like a side that's genuinely in the top four. Um, but Juve, you know, they showed us that they could do this. They could get a comeback against teams like Roma. They've showed us a couple of weeks ago as well with that late fucking Vlaovic header and the Morata overhead kick. And here they are again, at least showing us that they have Grinta. When it all comes down to it, they have Grinta. Yeah, they know how to get the job done in a dirty manner, man. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. You know they, had to I mean? they had to revert to it and they revert. How can you it. play like that and go home with three points? Uh, I Honestly. Mean, that that shows, though, that shows mentality. the growth of you, man. Yeah, and the mentality. That's true. that's true. Because when you don't deserve to win a game and you win a game, bro, that's you must good. have pulled some that's shit. That's stuff like. of champions, typically. Yeah. It's crazy. You know, you look at Guardiola, his whole brand is about, you know, if we have the ball, we are not in danger. Therefore, we must make sure to keep the ball for as long as possible, right? Mm. That's the whole Guardiola philosophy. Then you have Jurgen Klopp, who believes in the high press. No, yeah, like if we press, if we press as we lose possession, our opponents will have no time to react to our mistakes. Then you have Allegri. Like, what? What the fuck is Allegri's game plan, man? I mean, pass to Zakaria, <laughs> and then Shalah. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> I mean, it didn't look like it, it's like I said about Milan recently, where Milan didn't look like they had a plan going forward. It's like let's see what's gonna happen out of this attack. Let's see what combinations we can come mm-hmm. up with. Juve kind of looked like that at the end of the day, and they looked like that when they were in full flow as well. You know, when they were with, with for example, Chiesa. You know, when they still had their players available. Oh, that's true. Um, Chiesa would get the ball and start charging with no one around, with his head down, yeah, like, his head down, no one's around him, and he's just darting forward. Long shot to, every now and then because he can't yeah. do it anymore. Like he's unleashed. He's <laughs> like, I'm tired. <laughs> Just let me shoot. <laughs> um, anyway, is there anything else you want to add from this game? I mean, not really. You've uh, did well to get away with the three points, and I think Sassuolo will be kicking themselves a little. I mean, yeah. they can't be too upset about a loss against Juve, but it is normally a game that 
Sassuolo, maybe not against Juve in particular, but they do tend to thrive against the top seven, so a missed opportunity here for them, and they are now three points behind Hellas Verona. Especially because Sassuolo were so wasteful early on in the game as well. Yeah, that's true. So that's that's true. quite frustrating for them. But anyway, Juventus carry on in fourth with 66 points over Roma, who have 58, while Sassuolo are in tenth with 46 points, still behind Verona, so I'm still owed a kit. <laughs> so the next game we're going to be covering is Salernitana 2, Fiorentina 1. Another victory for Salernitana, their third oh, yeah. in a row. And another loss for Fiorentina, who bear in mind today... Just lost to Udinese, four goals to nil at home in Florence. Could it be, we asked? Fucking could. It could very well be, bro. The ghost of David and Nicolas past over there, Crotone's past, like, you know. There you go. It would be something if Salernitana could stay up. They did lose four goals to nil in their previous encounter against Fiorentina. When Fiorentina were away from home in Salerno. But moving on, Salernitana are coming off a 1-0 away win at Udinese, whereas Fiorentina are coming off a 1-0 home victory against Venezia. So Fiorentina have only beaten Salernitana in the first half of the season, as now in their last three they have lost this match 2-1, drew 1-1 in February 1999, and lost 2-0 in March of 1948. So for Salernitana, they bring on Zortea and Verdi and take out Radovanovic and Bonazzoli. Fiorentina, on the other hand, bring on Amrabat and Duncan for the injured Castrovilli and Torreira. So in the ninth minute, Bohinen pinged a pinpoint cross to the forehead of Milan Juric, who headed it home with no problem whatsoever, making it 1-0 to the underdogs. Mention someone in the league with a better header than Juric. Not Giroud. Not I would say. that's right. Honestly, I don't think I can fucking it's think a, of one, bro. It's such an animal in the air. I honestly can't think of one. Best header in the league, fuck it. In the 64th minute, an Odrio Zola cross from the right wing was taken down well by the wizard Ricardo Saponara, who placed at home calmly, glistening under the Salerno sun, brother. Honestly, a goal for Saponara is a goal for Serie A spotlight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In the 79th minute, Igor got to the end of a cross and attempted to control instead of clearing, allowing Bonazzoli to slip in and smash it in to get the winner for Salernitana. Scenes upon scenes upon scenes and another fucking goal for Bonazzoli. As he machine guns away. What a celebration that is. Unfortunately, it reminds me of Benatia and the 4 nil spanking oh. <laughs> in the Coppa final. While we were on the cruise. While we were on the cruise, oh drunk on Aperol Spritz. That was the <laughs> night. Was, was that the night I went on a solo adventure? I don't know if it's when you went. I think it's that time we both snuck out together. Like yeah. <laughs> We got to our rooms. <laughs> I have that video of you hunched over the toilet, basically recharging. And recharge you did because we went out and we spent the entire night out partying with old women, twirling them around like they're 19 again. That was fun. Cruises are fun. Cruises are fun. I'm just a bit embarrassed to say that they are, basically. (laughs) So, in my opinion, bro, Salernitana could really be experiencing that inevitable good spell that teams tend to have. So Salernitana hadn't had it yet. And here yeah. we go. Well, they kind of had it when they drew like 2-2 two, two to Milan and they looked a bit but of a But this is threat. the same kind of spell, no? That's true. It's That's the same true. moment, you know? They're, mm. they're still going off that Last form, quarter right? of the league. Yeah, every team has a moment of good form in a season. Salernitana seem to never have it there. They finally have it now. Could it be just enough to keep them in the league? 
Maybe they seem so Maybe. fired up right now. It's honestly going to be difficult to keep them down. Maybe if and they even, can beat Fiorentina, bro. Yeah. And watching them play, you know, granted, they don't dominate for the vast majority of the game, of course, at all. They have 28% <laughs> ball possession. But they're hype, man. But, they, but when they do attack, they're so organized. They are, man. You know, they're so spread. But kind of like the midfield is still... They have many options, you know what mm. I mean? They're so organized that there's always, they, there always seems to be a passing option. That, along with the firepower and the confidence that they currently have, man. Yeah. They're there for a reason. They want to survive. They have everything to fucking play for, man. And everything to lose as well. And you see, like, the most... You know, the player you'd expect to see the least working his ass off trying to survive. Like, mm. You see Verdi. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you pop the highlights on, you know, turn them on. Like, you're going to see Verdi. Like, the first two highlights are Verdi trying to score. Like, you know what I yeah. mean? Just, everyone's trying to keep these guys up. You know, they all believe because David and Nicola does bring that. He's done it before. And that's probably mm-hmm. what he's saying. He's probably so unbearable. I've done it before, man. Back in Crotone. <laughs> back with Crotone, man. You have to listen to me if you do what I say. Ah, it's worked before. So you'd be the problem if it doesn't work now. He must be absolutely unbearable. The other the other players go back to their girlfriends. Man, it's good. I know we're winning, but this fucking guy. <laughs> unbearable, man. I just hate him. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. For sure. Salernitana managed to get eight shots away, four on target. West Fiorentina got ten away with three on target. So similar stats over here for these sides. Similar apart from the possession, of course. It's the same thing. You know, Fiorentina lost... You know, they came in with Duncan and Malet this game, no? Mm. As a, Instead of um, Castrovilli. Duncan and Amrabat instead of Castrovilli and Torreira. Exactly. There we go. There we go. And that's a lot less insertion. That's a lot less creativity. It is. It is. I, I would agree with you there. And probably that is one of the reasons as to why they couldn't get as many goals as they have been getting typically they recently. do create more opportunities than this. It was quite surprising to see them dominate so... Like, position so much and like not create yeah. anything. 72% to Salernitana's 28%. That's fucking mental. No and team And then you lose. That's, that's a football manager no result. No team you know? with 28% ball possession wins a game, man. Let alone with, from with 72... <laughs> With 72, uh, with 28 fucking winning a game, man. It's, oh my God, I just realized something. What? Juve are Salernitana's final form. <laughs> but anyway, bro. Well as, done. As we, thanks. As we discussed before, three goals and three assists for Saponara, who looks like he's finally found some consistency. He still misses the odd game randomly here and there. He had a couple of bad performances yeah. recently straight up. Like It's true. He genuinely did have those. Yeah, but you, but yeah. I mean, His he output. shows quality in every game. He, he does, does exactly, and that's game. that's what I was gonna say. He's been consistent, at least appearance-wise, this season. Typically, he always vanishes either for the first half or for the second half, be it through injury, through through um, you know fitness issues. Yeah, yeah, he he doesn't. He's not a man that has ninety yeah. minutes in him. But he's finally found some continuity, and it could be that Vincenzo Italiano is the man to fucking reignite Saponara's career. And I really hope they can continue together. 100%. And I think they will because Italiano values him. He values him as a player. He values his creativity. Yeah, Tomat Spezia yes. as well. Exactly. Very well. And Saponara, I think, respects him a lot. So, you know, to take him with you, to take a player from Spezia with you to Fiorentina and actually make him into yeah. a key player, like, yeah. that's, that's good Especially stuff. Especially with, with Gonzalez playing in the same position as him, along yeah, with Sotil, Icone, for example, and Icone. You have all these guys, well. these wingers. And Saponara is playing like, no one on FIFA would ever do that. <laughs> <laughs> I play Saponara on FIFA. Respect, respect. Sometimes I pop him in on cam. I'm not going to lie. Um, but. Anyway, we spoke about Salernitana, let's shift our focus to Fiorentina, who lost this game, 
because of the hype train that is Salernitana at the moment. Still bizarre as to how they managed to get 72% ball possession and still lose the game two goals to one. But they have also just lost at home in Florence 4-0 to Udinese. Yeah, and they have fallen down to seventh because of that. Yeah. Um, 56 points, of course. Um, they're still fighting for an Europa League spot with the Roman clubs, of course, and that one club in Bergamo. Um, <laughs> you know, unfortunately, they bottled an opportunity here to really separate themselves from the rest. Exactly. So, and then on the other hand, you have Salernitana in 18th place. They are now just three points behind Cagliari and Salernitana also have a game in hand against Venezia. So this could literally, literally be happening. Cagliari have been in the situation three points ahead with a game in, with the other team having a game in hand for so long before they had it with Venezia. Now they have it with Salernitana and let's see what's going to happen. If Salernitana stay in Serie A, I'm buying a Juric kit. A Juric one? I think I'd get a Juric one. Not a Simone Verdi, for example. No, no, definitely not. Or I... one of the Koulibalis. No, it has to be Juric, I think. I think Ditakio has a really cool name, but he's shit. He is a bit shit. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> that he's not, he's not the fittest player I've ever seen either. Like, no, he features a little yeah. bit like... No, I think I'd get Juric. Juric or... That's a tough one with Salernitana, to be honest. It is, it really is. Or Ribéry. Ribéry. You know, that's a fun one, to be honest. You have a player who was nominated for the Ballon d'Or playing at mm. Salerno. That's a cool kit to have, to be honest. Mm. I might do that. Jomber. Mm. We'll, we'll see what I do, God knows. <laughs> Bonazzoli, obviously. That's the oh, kit I'll that, get. Bonazzoli, true. bam. Nice. Good shout, bro. Thank you. The next game we're going to be discussing is Venezia 1, Atalanta 3. What's the... that, bro? Another banger. <laughs> Venezia Atalanta. <laughs> right, bro. Another banger, four goals, another game with four goals. You know, say, uh, you, you're bored. Are you bored? Mm. Are you bored? Prem heads. Yeah. Head Are you bored? Over. Head on over. Come. Come here. Check it out. Listen to our podcast. It's really good, man. Mm-hmm. The reverse fixture was Atalanta 4, Venezia 0. The goals came through Pasalic, who scored 3 that game, <laughs> and Coop Miners. Um, the inevitable Pasalic hat-trick. Yeah, like. that's, those two hat-tricks a season. Like. <laughs> Atalanta also eliminated Venezia from the Coppa Italia after a 2-0 victory. Venezia came into this game off a 1-0 away loss to Fiorentina, while Atalanta were coming off a 2-1 home loss to Verona. Atalanta have now won their last five games against Venezia. Chernigoy scoring the only goal during this brutal process. Four changes for Atalanta, which is really low. <laughs> for Gasparini. Yeah. Out with Demiral, Freuler, Malinowski and Boga. Malinowski, of course, is injured. In with Jim City, Miners, Zapata and Pasalic. For Venezia, it was five changes, seeing Svoboda, Ullman, Ampadu, Cuisance and Aramu entering the fray instead of Caldara, Haps, Chernigoy, Tesman and Jonsson. Bro, commentators call Chernigoy Cernigoy. Why haven't we... Why haven't I rather corrected myself yet? And, and we call Insame, Insame, I've it? called Yayalo. Jajalo, <laughs> which is by far the most embarrassing one. Like <laughs> Jajalo. We have a few, but then again, everyone says them differently. I mean, think you about how many mean? names you have to say from different fucking countries. You know, I like mean, we don't know shit. It's you know, we're incredibly, 
well-versed for, <laughs> for this, I would say. Well, not bad, to be honest. We kind of go off what the commentators say, typically. So if they butcher something, we tend to butcher something right after. But, I yeah. guess. We can't, you know, watch Maybe. that inevitable interview of everyone saying, how do you actually say your name? Yeah, exactly. And it'd be like, it's actually pronounced Kernigai. <laughs> <laughs> it's Kernigosh. <laughs> Kernigosh. <laughs> okay, let's call him Cernigoy from now on. So, it all kicked off in the sixth minute when there was a goal check for Venezia. Henri's goal was deemed offside. Shortly after, the post was struck by Palomino after a clever Muriel free kick. He kind of chipped it over to Pasalic, who sorry to Palomino, who banged into the post. In the 44th minute, it was Pasalic. Um, Muriel's deflected strike bounced off the crossbar and down to Pasalic, who passed the ball into an empty net. In the 47th minute, the return of Duvan Zapata. Donkey cock. A long ball was played to Muriel, who outmuscles Voboda to the actual ground, ran into the box from the byline and squared the ball to Zapata, who finished it into an empty net. This was one of those uh, phenomenal performances by Muriel. Yeah, Muriel, even even midweek. Midweek, Mm. yeah, honestly, two great performances on the trot. I wonder if he can keep this up. In the 58th minute, Muriel once again struck the post. He hit the post from a far tight angle on a counter-attack. In the 63rd minute, once again, it was Muriel who scored. It's the Muriel show. Mm-hmm. Muriel played the ball to Zappacosta, who carried the ball to the byline and chipped it back to him, who headed the ball comfortably, and then he danced, looking straight into the camera and smiling. He looks like an 11-year-old when he smiles. Sometimes. He's kind of, it's cute, it's kind you know? kind of handsome. Yeah, cute. cute, cute, cute boy. Love him, love him. In the 68th minute, it was Cernigoy's turn to strike the post. Aramu's in-swinging cross found the head of Henri, who ended up basically spanking the ball into the cross, into the fucking post with his head, sorry. And in the 80th minute, Insame, or Insam as we mentioned, found Cernigoy in the massive gap. He received the ball and finished into the near post comfortably. Cernigoy is a good player, and when eventually we do discuss which of these Venezia players can actually stay in Serie A, he's going to be one of my names, bro, because I do imagine him at one of those lower-tier teams just hustling it out and grinding. One of those teams that rotates players. I can imagine him at Empoli, for example. I could imagine him at Empoli. I could imagine him at a bunch of teams. Maybe one of the newly promoted teams he could slot into well with that Serie A experience and mm. um, fighting for survival, which is probably where, you know, three newly promoted teams are going to find themselves. So it'd be a good coup for either one of them, man. I enjoy watching him and I love him for liking our, our message, our yeah. DM. He's cool. Um, he's one of those players that doesn't have many followers, so he can actually reply to you if you send him some kind words, guys. Kind um, only, please. Kind, yes. Atalanta had 60% ball possession to Venezia's 40. Of course, if you could have match, you wouldn't have needed that. Atalanta had 19 shots to Venezia's 8. 5 on target for Atalanta, 2 on target for Venezia. Now, Atalanta have struggled. Mm-hmm. But these are the types of games at the end of the day that they win. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know? They win you them comfortably. You won't see them slipping up to Venezia, Salernitana, and, and, and those guys. And quite, Spezia, quite like frankly, they always beat Spezia. them. It's yeah. true. It's they, true. they win these games and they spank in these games. It allows their players to express themselves. One thing Atalanta have is they have a large variety of top quality players. And the more they can express themselves, the more the Malinovskis, the Miranchuks, the Bogas, the Muriels, the Zapatas, the Pasalic, the Coop Miners can express themselves, then the more they're going to perform. And that's what Atalanta have always been, and that's why I enjoy watching them, because they're a very expressive side. Um, and they managed to dismantle Venezia here. Venezia didn't go down without a fight. To be honest, they had a disallowed goal. They hit the post. They got one towards the end. So there's still 
a lot of brushing up to do for for Atalanta. Yeah, definitely, bro. You couldn't have said it better yourself. I've seen some hot takes on Twitter recently that um, Atalanta in three years will be relegated. Thoughts? No way in hell. We're talking post-Gasperini era. Let's say they move on from him. They will not be relegated in three I think years. They'll uh, be in the top four in three yeah, years. Dude. They, they, they're just getting a financial takeover as well. True. Yeah, I think that that fucking statement is such... So irresponsibly reckless, you know. Were these mean? the same people that said that Verona were gonna get relegated this year because they got rid of Zaccani? Yeah, because they had Di Francesco. Mm. But anyway, you know, quite a, a bold statement. We'll see, but I do have a feeling that this person will be will be proven wrong. Mm-hmm. So Venezia, of course, continue to struggle. No surprise against Atalanta over here. They're looking rather raidable, as we've discussed before, bro. They are looking raidable right now, Venezia. They have some players right now that will be highly sought after. Who do you think will be the top three names on people's shopping lists when it comes to Venezia? So, for the top three, I think there's definitely Aramu that needs to stay in Serie A. For the love of God, Aramu, please stay in Serie A. He's been absolutely fantastic. For them. On the other hand, aside from that, I would say that I think Okareke has done enough to show that he could bring some flair to any team, even off the bench, maybe for a Torino or something or yeah. something of the sort. And then I think there's Ethan Ampadu for sure. Mm-hmm. Ampadu, he's been fantastic. I think he's on loan though, so let's not count him. Okay, let's not count him. I would say Buzio for sure mm-hmm. has shown that he's worth it. You know, Cuisance is a young guy as well. Cuisance is also Bayern on loan from Bayern, so maybe we shouldn't... No, he was bought by Venezia. Was he bought? He was bought. He was, he was bought. bought. He was oh bought my God. For a couple okay. milli. Okay, in that case, then it's difficult to see him staying with Venezia. Mm-hmm. Very maybe going out on loan and then, you know, with an option or obligation yeah. to buy and say, yeah, maybe. something like that. I do think that the top three, you got them bang on, bro, spot on. It's Italy, Aramu, Okereke, Buzio, probably in that order. Mm. Um, I'd say Aramu right now is, you know, I, I can imagine Aramu what's a swallow, dude. Oh, Aramu's good. I can, I can good, see man. it, I can see it, I can see Aramu's it. Aramu's good. And also, if you play with an attacking midfielder and you don't have one right now, just get Aramu. Straight up deal. Also, Cernigoy, of course, as we discussed before, we can definitely put in a shift elsewhere. Cernigoy seems like someone like Milan enjoy picking up, like they picked up Krunic, Benasser, and, and all these Maybe guys. Maybe the old Milan. Maybe the old <laughs> Milan, not the rich Milan. Yeah. Um, Jonsson is an interesting player as well That could be useful to be honest mm-hmm. um, But we'll see that, that's They've got good much. players man Venezia it's a, it's a shame It's a shame genuinely but And they also know, have not Romero down and out man. Yet. They're not down and out If they do beat Salernitana Again we'd be, disc- we'd be talking about them Could it be? <laughs> <laughs> Just no one's gonna get relegated exactly. like, at no, the, <laughs> the thing is At a point everyone deserves it Now it seems like no one deserves it Well imagine, Venezia deserves it Imagine right? Cagliari, Sampdoria, Spezia relegated because everyone just keeps fucking winning. Holy shit, bro. <coughs> That'd be crazy. Yeah. Now, following Atalanta's crazy 4-4 draw to Torino midweek, they are currently 8th in the league, 3 points behind Roma in 5th, while Venezia sit 20th with a game in hand against Salernitana with 22 points. Um, Cagliari in 17th have 28 points. 
And the next game we're going to be covering is Verona 1, Sampdoria 1. So the reverse fixture was a shocking 3-1 victory for Sampdoria. Thanks to goals by Kandreva, Egdal and Murru. And the singular goal coming from Tamez. So Verona are coming off a 2-1 away victory in Bergamo against Atalanta. So an impressive win for them. Sampdoria coming off a 2-1 home loss to Salernitana. So a shit show from them. <laughs> Sampdoria had won each of their last four Serie A games against Verona. In the 21st century, only against Udinese have they achieved five successive Serie A wins between the years of 2019 and 2021. Verona field the same 11 that beat Atalanta, while Sampdoria replace Murru, Sensi and Quagliarella with Augello, Ronaldo Vieira and Sabiri. Ronaldo Vieira. Ronaldo Vieira. So (laughs) just... (laughs) Choose two footballers' names. Anyone over 40. So in the 44th minute, Caputo missed a penalty but converted the rebound. That's his 60th goal in Serie A. So the foul looked kind of soft at first, but replays confirmed that he had been stomped on in the area by Gunter. Montepo did well to save the penalty, but the ball fell perfectly to Caputo, who managed to atone for his error. 1-0 for Sampdoria. In the 78th minute, the inevitable equaliser arrived after Gunter played an impressive defence-splitting ball into the path of Caprari, who scored after his deflected attempt. He is currently on loan from Sampdoria, and he managed <laughs> to score against them. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to prove a point. That is a very good way to prove a point, and something tells me that they will exercise their 4 million option to buy. Or obligation, I'm not even sure. It's it looks like such a steal right now, bro. Oh, it does. He, Caprari's insane, man. He's been he's, so his good. numbers this season are impressive. Like we're, <laughs> ridiculous. We, have, man. we have a note over here actually. He's got eleven goals and seven assists. That's this season. fucking nuts, bro. It is. It is. Really that is good. fucking Especially nuts. Especially eighteen Verona. goal contributions. You know, for he's Hellas basically Verona. directly replaced Zakani. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. He he has, and maybe that's why they had the confidence to let Zakani go. So in this game, you could pretty much um, guess how it went. It was 58% possession for Hellas. They also had 12 shots to Samp's four. Samp only had three on target, whereas Verona had a mere one shot on target. But how can that be when they scored the rebound of a penalty? So probably two shots on target how over weird. there. How weird. That's why it says one in the stats. It says, it says one in the stats, but they literally converted from the rebound of a penalty, which was obviously on two target. Shots, yeah. That's yeah. wrong for sure. So, yeah, two shots on target, I would say, for Verona. Um, so, a disappointing result for Verona, especially considering their form. They've proven, they've proven that they're kind of a better side than Sassuolo. Maybe it's still up for debate, but they're kind of proving that they're on the right, they're on the right track. Some Doria will take this point and run, on the other hand, dude. They will they'll definitely take this point and run, bro. Any point for them will do right now. Keep They're just like trying to stay away from the relegation zone right now. And they have a tough run in, so this point is well-earned by them. Yeah, it is definitely well-earned. And, and they're still, you know, a bit too close for comfort. They're only five points from, from the drop. I yeah. think, judging by... Now, I know that the, there's the argument that they've already done enough um, and, that, and that they'll probably stay up. But Sabdoria, one of the sides that are kind of, judging by their performances you know, consistently throughout the campaign. I can say I almost don't want them to, to stay up. Now, I love, the, I love the club. I love the history that Sampdoria have. But just 
not worthy at this point, man. They've been fucking awful. But they this have, was a good point have, for them. They have been awful. This is this was a good point for them. Everything you said is indeed factual. Um, I think they, as I've mentioned quite a few times, they have just enough to to stay up in the league. You know, the, the players, mm-hmm. Kandreva, Caputo, you know, Ferrari. These guys. You know, Damsgaard has not featured. Yeah, Augello. These guys. These guys won't get relegated, man. You know what I mean. Like yeah. they have a bunch of senses there as well, man. You know, I mean, Ekdal and Thorsby have been doing this year in year out. Granted, they're not fucking even Rincon. Granted, they're, they're managers, sure, but they, well. they're enough to to get you over the line by the end. They should be enough, rather. So if they do um, get relegated, that's a massive failure on John Paulo's part, right there. Mm. Um, and there'd need to be a massive reshuffle in Sampdoria. Um, they had a massive problem at the beginning of the season as well because the fans were unhappy about their transfer market and their lack of ambition shown as they kept Daversa and they didn't really reinforce the team at all. Then three games in, I believe they brought in Caputo when Sassuolo decided to sell and that was kind of their, their marquee signing. Yeah. And that's really their only signing, bro, to be honest with and you. And to be honest, it was kind of an odd signing from where I'm standing at least because you think that Caputo is a direct replacement for Qualiarella. What he was playing in a 4-4-2 for the majority of the season alongside yeah. Qualiarella. And now even in the 4-3-1-2, he's playing alongside Qualiarella. And there's a serious lack of pace up front. Definitely. And, and players, the players playing close to Caputo can't complement him the same way that they did when he played for Sassuolo. Mm, you know what exactly. I mean? So the link-up play has been a little bit lacking for them. But he has recently picked up. He's hit double digits again. Yeah. You know, he always hits double digits, Caputo. He's become a regular in Serie A. Six, his 60th goal. In say, uh, that's you know, that's he's, he's become impressive. a constant. And he was, a, he was a bloomer. Se- exactly, he was a say a player for a while. Like everyone talked about Caputo and say a and mm. then eventually he went to Sassuolo, no, to Empoli actually first. Exactly. And then to Sassuolo, and now <clears throat> at Sampdoria, of course, sixty goals with those teams. Exactly. Veron, on the other hand, it's a disappointing result for them, but for some reason they too tend to struggle against Sampdoria, even in the past fixture in the three-one defeat. So, you know, you know how these mental games play out. It's a disappointing draw for, for Verona. Um, but, but I still think they've been a fantastic side. I think they've recovered well from the change of coach that they've had. Obviously losing Di Francesco, who they spent an entire preseason planning out with. Yeah. Um, they brought on Tudor. Tudor's just been a superstar for them, especially after they lost Zakani, bringing the best out of his players. So I don't think Verona would be kicking themselves too hard, especially with Sassuolo dropping points. Straight facts, Midri. Verona are currently in 9th with 49 points, while Sampdoria are in 16th with 30 points, 5 points from the drop. Facts. Now, the next game we're going to be covering is Torino 2, Spezia 1. The reverse fixture was a 1-0 victory for Spezia, thanks to a Salah goal. Not Mo Salah, of course, this is the budget Salah. Let's see why you guys would get confused, though. Torino were coming off a 1-1 away draw to Lazio, and Spezia were coming off a 3-1 home loss to Inter. Prior to this game, Spezia were unbeaten in three Serie A games against Torino, thanks to two wins and one draw. The Granata avoided becoming the second team to remain winless in four games against the Ligurians after Cagliari. Now... For Torino, it was Vanya Milinkovic-Savic who came back in goal. Zima and Singo returned to the back, while Piaka and Sek played up front. Berisha, Itzo, Aina, Pobega and Brekalo were sidelined for this one. In Jesus. for Spezia were Hristof, Ferrer and Agudelo. Out were Reca, Maggiore and Bastoni. Um, three important players there for Spezia sidelined. 100%. 
In the fourth minute, Lukic scored a penalty, and then in the 69th minute, he actually managed to score again. This was his fourth goal in two games for, Jesus for Lukic. Christ. You know, like, impressive. What a moment for him. Yeah. And then in the 97th minute, to give you the exact score and, uh, <laughs> and an equalizer in the prediction series, of course, Manai scored a 97th minute penalty. You know the Albanian is a Barcelona youth product? Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That's it is. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't guess the, looking at him, watching him play. Hey. But, uh, and, and you're talking to me about that late goal that got me the correct score. Uh, Atalanta Venezia, Cernogoy's late goal. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, I know, but obviously that doesn't affect me directly. Like, it doesn't <laughs> yes, work directly yes, against yes, me. It just affects so your brother directly. Exactly. Pocket. Exactly. Torino had 56% ball possession. They also had 14 shots, six of those on target. The Spezia, seven shots, two of those on target. Quite a dominant display by Torino, yeah, bro. Torino did enough, but you know, there, there's I, I don't think any side that kind of comfortably, just comfortably dismantled Spezia and get a two to three goal cushion. Yeah. Um, especially you know, Torino are a, are a good side, but they weren't gonna do that either. But it's a good, definitely a good three points for them. They're riding on some hot form at yeah. the moment. And I do think we'll be seeing more of these results next season for Torino. I do think that they'll pick up where they left off and actually improve, you know. I yeah, they'll be, if there's they'll that be continuity. There can even be a Conference League push, maybe, man. Who knows? I mean, I really rate Juric as a manager, as, as you know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, I believe in him. Yeah, I, I think I think if should he continue and they replace Bellotti well, obviously they're getting the results without Bellotti as well. He was out injured for for this game again. Um, you know, Sanabria is capable of getting goals. Clearly, Lukic is capable of getting <laughs> goals as well. So it'd be interesting to see how they directly replace him if they directly replace him. And, and what next season has in store for them. Definitely. This result set the foundation for them to go to Bergamo and score four goals. So that was clearly good. Yeah. Um, Spezia looked capable at times in this game. They didn't have a wardrobe malfunction this time as no player tried to come on with jewellery. Um, so, you know, overall there are victories for both teams. Um, so, yes, Spezia sit in 15th with 33 points, while Torino sit in 11th with 44 points, my brother. Incredible. So, the next game we're going to be covering is Bologna 2, Udinese 2. The reverse fixture was Udinese 1, Bologna 1. Thanks to goals from Beto and Barrow. That was that game where Pereira had gotten sent off. So, two draws on the trot. Clearly, two very even sides this year. So Bologna coming off a 1-1 away draw to Juve, impressive as always. And Udinese coming off a 1-0 home loss to Salernitana, so out of character right now. The last five Bologna-Udinese games have ended in a draw. This is the first time in their history that these sides have drawn five in a row in the top flight. So for Bologna, we saw a couple of changes with Bardi, Bonifazi, Binks, De Silvestri, Dominguez and Barrow all coming in for the likes of Skorupski, Medel, who was obviously suspended alongside Sao Mauro, Dykes, Schouten and Arnautovic, who was picking up a small knock as well. For Udinese, it was Molina, Makengo, Wallace and Success coming on for Sopi, Yayalo, Samardzic and Pusetto. So in the sixth minute, what a goal by Bologna. De Silvestri crosses low, outwards and early. Barrow got a touch to set the ball up for Svanberg, who played the ball first time to Hickey, who finished low and hard into the far post from a tight angle. In the 25th minute, Udoji scored after Pereira played the ball to success, who was inside the box and flicked the ball back to Udoji, who finished cleanly. That was his third goal of the season. 
In the 46th minute, Success and Delefo linked up well, with Success playing it to Delefo, who carried it forward, then crossed it to Success, who finished cleanly. In the 59th minute, Orsolini's low cross to Sansone led to Sansone finishing into an empty net. So this leads me just to bring up something Sansone scored, obviously, in the 2-1 victory over Inter, where he said, I hope Maldini or someone from Milan calls me, at least for a loan, so I can play in the Champions League. <laughs> so obviously he did Milan a favour. Sign him up! <laughs> Sign him up! Well, he did Milan a favour. He put good pressure on the goalkeeper, to be honest, to make that mistake, but we'll get to that soon Yeah, I was going in without you, bro. <laughs> so... Bologna had 55% ball possession in this game against Udinese. They had 10 shots to Udinese, 17. Bologna had 3 on target, Udinese had 5 on target. Was a draw a fair result or do you think that Udinese edged it? So I think that a draw was a fair result. Of course, Bologna came into this game without their prolific goal scorer and Arnautovic. We're looking at two teams over here who are mid-table. Two teams over here that needed a victory for mathematical safety. Mm-hmm. Of course, they have both achieved it thanks to their midweek yeah. results now. Yeah. So they're both safe from the drop um, officially. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they, they're on good form. They fought it out. You know, they both managed two goals each. It was a fair result at the end of the day. A highly entertaining game. A highly entertaining game. And to be honest, I... You know, my hands were itching for this one. Two teams on hot form collide. We both know what these guys are going to bring. They're going to bring physicality. They're going to bring speed. You know, they're going in for the 50-50s. It was a very exciting affair. It definitely did not disappoint. There's a lot Um, of talent on both teams. Exactly. Each, you know, demonstrated their strengths perfectly, but none of them were capable of taking home the three points, I would say. Exactly. You know, I think they'll both be satisfied with this, though, especially now that they've achieved mathematical yeah. safety. They can just push for a, for a high enough finish. Exactly. So, Bologna, obviously, are also coming off a 2-1 victory at home to Inter, which was that, that game in hand. Massive victory for them, but it was a big win for them, but it was a terrible loss for Inter. I think that Definitely. steals the headlines. For sure, for sure. Um, people are going to be talking about Inter dropping points more than Bologna getting the victory, of course, as, the, as it affects the table directly. But of course, the people of Bologna are going to be very happy with it. You know, Mihailovic is going to be very happy with it. So, you know, pleasant vibes yeah. all around. A lovely city, a lovely stadium, lovely manager, yeah. lovely team. If you're ever around Italy, do visit Bologna. It's a nice student city. You know, there's a nice university over there. The nightlife is really good. You know, you yeah. walk around the streets, everyone's just hanging it's around It's very drinking, lively, man. Know, everyone's is. outside. There's like this element of trust. The food is just obviously ridiculous. We enjoyed ourselves over there, obviously, when we went to watch Sassuola play. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, Udinese managed to beat Fiorentina away from home four goals to nil. Is there anything we could add about how impressive Udinese have looked? Um, not really. It's just nice to see De Olafeu finally getting his groove in, as, as we've we've discussed in the last one. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're finally seeing the De Olafeu we're used to at Milan, that Watford is that same player. They have some exciting players in Destiny, Dodri and Isaac's success over there. You know, Molina. Molina's mm-hmm. a fucking exciting player. I, yeah. I, I don't remember a time when Udinese were this exciting. Before, it was very much the pole. Dependent Exactly I mean now They cashed in on the poll They actually made Some solid changes You know They're looking like a team And again A very Very entertaining team That has the ability To put four past you On their day And you know On their day They also have Pereira On the starting 11 They're bringing on Players like Samardzic You know Their front line of success And LFO Doesn't simply end there They could bring Possetto on as well It's looking promising For Udinese They're not a highly Ambitious team But it's always good To see them Pushing up as much As they can 
This leads them to 12th place on 43 points. They're only one behind Torino now and actually one point ahead of Bologna, who are in 13th on 42 points. So the next game was between Genoa and Cagliari and this was one that I had been looking forward to for a while. Of course, relegation six-pointer. A relegation six-pointer in the truest form, bro. Yeah, um, and it's the two classic Serie A sides that struggle. It's some of these new guys like like Spezia, Venezia. Or, two or OGs. Or, yeah. Genoa, one of the most, of course, historic clubs in the league. Exactly. I know a guy at, at Melita that used to support Genoa. I wonder if he still does now. Uh, Zinga. He's yeah. a good guy. He must be still depressed. <laughs> Shout out Zinga if you're listening. <laughs> um, the reverse fixture ended in a 3-2 away victory for Genoa. This was Genoa's only victory prior to the Blessin era. And Fares yeah. had scored two and Destro had got one as well. Oh, that was a game, bro. That was it a was, fucking game. It was game. a fantastic game, really. Genoa were coming off a 2-0 away loss to Milan, while Cagliari were coming off a 1-0 home victory to Sassuolo. So everyone thought that, to be honest, Cagliari would take this. No, but people seem to think that. It's, it's difficult to say, because Cagliari have more quality individually but then Genoa have the whole Gagan press system and yeah. the blessing era that that just makes them better to be honest that's what I thought would make the difference to be honest I was talking to David before one of the guy who wrote an article for us one okay of the guys who yeah, yeah. wrote um Udinese guy yeah yeah he's an Udinese fan and an Inter fan of course he um he's an Inter fan primarily yeah he talked about Cagliari winning this one I thought I think Genoa would win it but mm. um of course um Genoa did edge it um, this was Genoa's fifth Serie A win over Cagliari in a row. So there is Ooh. something in the water over there. They kept four clean sheets in the process, which is very, well, that very, That wasn't very the game before impressive. this one, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Genoa made two changes. They brought in Storaro and Portanova, and they left out Hefti and Piccoli. While Cagliari um, brought in Cepitelli over Lovato. And it was started, you know, a very high-intensity game, very entertaining and to end Pinball, stuff over man. There. Pinball. Pinball, a scrap, but an entertaining one, you know what I mean? In the 48th minute, João Pedro struck the post and the winner came in the 89th minute after some confusion in the box led to Yaboato poking it to Milan Badel who actually scored in the bottom left corner. Crazy scenes. Mm-hmm. He's not a player who gets many goals. And it's always the case with these players. These guys who don't score often, when they score, it means so oh, much more to goal, them. Man. Like I remember with Milan, there was Lucas Biglia, who whenever he'd score, oh, lose his oh. mind, dude. Miglia used to remind me of Lucas Leiva. Yeah. I remember, because they're blonde and conservative and never score. Yeah. <laughs> and underwhelming. I exactly. So, exactly. Genoa had 56% ball possession with 13 shots, two on target, while Cagliari had 11 shots with one on target. So it was very, a scrap, of very course. Very even affair. Only three shots on target in the yes. whole thing. Um, again, it was an entertaining game. Cagliari, most of their chances came through Joao Pedro. There was one Marin moment where he tried to yeah. kind of chip it over the keeper from like a an awkward... After, after he, he some mix-up in the yeah. box and it went just wide, man, as well. Um, no, the, the difference is that Genoa got that moment where they had the guy in the right place at the right time. The ball literally fell to him and he managed to slot it into the bottom corner. Had that ball fallen to Joao Pedro, I'm sure it would have been the same story. So... The momentum shifted into Genoa's favour, um, leaving Cagliari obviously now in some real danger. Probably the most danger 
that they've been in since they exited the relegation zone. Yeah, definitely. And Some teams like Salernitana in general are looking hot right now. Yeah. They're going to have to be careful. I have, I have Cagliari going down, man. I don't quite know who's going to stay up ahead of them, but I see Cagliari going down as fuck, man. I had said at rubbish. the beginning of the season that Genoa will survive 100% mm. simply because of their mid-season transfers remember uh-huh. yeah remember when i said they always sort everything yeah. out halfway through the season with their loans they uh-huh. brought in a decent manager they got a few draws you know in a row they brought in a few players with pedigree you know mm. i mean looking at the team right now there are a few players who can make the difference like milan badel scored the goal mm. he's been a player who's been playing in Serie A for a very long time that's now. true you know sirigu came up big in this game he's another veteran in yeah Serie a, yeah you know so they're they're being saved by these players who have experience mm-hmm. All I want, bro, is that I want the best teams to stay up and I want the worst teams to go down. I don't want there to be five teams next season that might as well be newly promoted sides. Now, this is kind of the football that the Sampdorias, the Genoas, the Cagliaris, the Salernitanas, the Venezias have given us this season. But I certainly hope that towards that kind of last bottom five, there isn't so much of a discrepancy that they're, you know, higher quality sides, essentially. I want the best teams to stay up. And I want the best teams to come up and the worst teams to go down and stay down. So we'll have a higher, uh, the highest quality league as, as possible. And who would that be, in your opinion? Should we want to keep the best teams up? Who would they be? Um, good question. So, of course, recency bias is going to play a massive factor in this, no? Mm. Because the teams that are on hot form right now look better than the teams that were on yeah, hot form exactly. at the beginning of the season. That's why I'm asking you, because so, I know you're smart and you look past that. So overall, Genoa, I think it's time for Genoa to go down. Like granted, right now they're on good form and we're almost empathizing with them and want them to they stay They have a up. good coach and nothing else. And they, exactly. They, they have a good coach and Bellanova. Fi- but finally, they have a new ownership. They have a new coach and they have a decent project going on. They're playing decent football finally. So I did want them to go down at the beginning of the season because of their lack of ambition. But now they're mm. finally showing some. So uh, if it's rewarded, I wouldn't be too upset. Cagliari deserve to go down because they've been scraping the bottom of the barrel to stay up. Yeah. And, you know, they had a decent decent spine over there and they mm. never actually managed to take advantage of it. So they do kind of deserve it. As we mentioned before, Venezia deserve to go down. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, like, Venezia as much as I like done. them, as, as cool as they are, yeah. as exciting as their project is, like they, they, they don't deserve to be in Serie A right now. Um, that's it. So I'd say exactly. Genoa deserve to go down. Probably Salernitana's Early overall overall mm. season warrants them to go down. You know they've been worse than everyone else. You know what I mean. But mm. again, the story would be too good right now. What I would want, bro, at this point, and I'm going to change everything. But I would take a Venezia, Genoa. You know what? I'm going to say Venezia, Sampdoria, Spezia. Those are the teams I want to Venezia, go Venezia, Sampdoria, I wish Spezia. That's what I wish. That's what I wish. Jesus. Jesus. Okay. Well, I'd just, like I said, I'd want the best teams to stay up. So, probably I would say I'd want the league to stay as it is because I understand that Cagliari have higher quality than Genoa and Genoa were saved by a system whereas Cagliari were somewhat saved by 
certain individuals such as Joao Pedro and Keita mm-hmm. Balde coming in and doing bits as well. Marin being solid. Uh, Cranio, I'd like to see Cranio stay in Serie A, mm-hmm. obviously. But then and these he will teams, if they get relegated, these these players can finally leave to a better club and you know mm-hmm. develop properly. Mm, that's true, that's true. But I would want, if I had to choose, I'd say the table stays as is and we see Salernitana, Genoa and Venezia going down. I think they've been rubbish. So welcome back to our question segment to drop a question you can find us on Twitter or on Instagram um, we pretty much react to all of them because we don't get many as of yet yeah. so, At Seria Spotlight ladies and gents Yes please come and pop us a question or a hot take we're interested to read your takes and debate um, yeah. with you we're, we're eager to share our thoughts our first question this week comes from stinker on twitter <laughs> at stinker gen i'm sorry if i massacred your name do we know um, him yeah he's a legend he's the guy who does the giveaways bro ah yeah fantastic yeah, stuff. albanian great giveaways he says thoughts on brahim diaz fun fact he fucking hates him <laughs> okay yeah. um so yeah i, I mean i don't have a list of great things to say about his performances this season. This is a guy with a high ceiling. I think there's there's no question about his abilities. The thing is, I still feel like he's very limited in certain departments. I think that his overall size and his physicality is a bit of an issue because although it does make him quicker and it does get him past players in its own unique way, I also think that once he's faced with physicality, then he's just zoned totally out of the game and he hasn't found a way to kind of own being up against these opponents. And at the same time, I think the man just has a terrible shot and his output is very limited as well. I mean, we saw that fantastic goal against Juve that he had scored. Mm -hmm. And aside from that, you know, the goals kind of came to him or there was a goalkeeper fumble or or something of the sort. So those are my thoughts. I think very easily replaceable. Do I want him in the team? Yes. Let's just not pay him that much, please. Um, Sure. It's not even a matter of let's not pay him that much because his salary is like quite low. Like, you know what I mean? He's coming from Real. He is, but, uh, you know, he's not a high earner at all. Mm. Um, I'm not sure what the numbers are right now, but they're definitely not like astronomical to the books. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, but if it means to keep him, you know, he needs to earn more money or something of the sort, then that's something I might be out for. Yes, yes, fair enough. Look, I've said it many times. Um, Chalanoglu leaving and not being replaced is not fair on Brahim Diaz. Brahim Diaz isn't a player that takes on a starting role week in, week out. He's, ne- he's never had a full season prior to this one starting. Mm. So how are we going to challenge for a title with a guy who's never actually played a full season playing yeah, camp? You know, his only, coming into the season, his only fucking replacement was Daniel Maldini. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to tell me that this is Brahim Diaz's fault? No, it's it not. It put so much pressure on it him, man. It put too much pressure on him. Kessie and we've seen... ended up playing Mezzala, yeah. man. Yes, well, we as Chakwartista. Oh, as Chakwartista. Yeah. And we've seen, you know, we've seen Brahim Diaz coming off the bench. And he looks so much sharper coming does, off when everyone's tired. You know what I mean? That's how he should have been deployed all season, man, with the odd start. And mm-hmm. the thing is, you start him less frequently, he'll, he'll have more to prove, less pressure to play with, you know. It's a shame. I feel like he's being ruined a bit with yeah, the pressure. Yeah, I, I, I feel you. I mean, you know, the more game time, <clears throat> the more game time that the guy gets, essentially the better for him but look the stakes are high other teams have options in those areas it's not like they're they're shy of options there are teams like Atalanta and Inter who have options galore including Napoli as well um so that's that's something that 
it, it's no essential fault of his own. He's going through the process of growth and he was put in a certain yeah. situation that put a lot of pressure on him and he dipped in certain moments for that reason. But look, there's a reason Pioli loves him so much as well. Exactly. He must bring yeah, something no, to no, the team. And it's obvious, his talent is clear. When he absolutely destroys a player with an unbelievable fucking skill move. Which you know he does, I mean? man. He, he does, does do it. He does and do he it. started winning fouls in good areas as well. Exactly. That's the thing he has to focus on because of his size. He needs to, when he falls, he needs to win fouls. Exactly. If he does that, he's fine. He's perfect. Bring him on when teams are frustrated and kind of tired, yeah. man. Yeah, that's, that's when it. he that's fucking it. excels. For sure, bro. That's what I think about Brennan Diaz. Fucking whoops. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, our next question comes from our boy Steve, Steve758 on Instagram. He was on our Juve special. You should go check that out. Quite insightful. He also just got retweeted by Bologna. Yes. Quoted so, by well Bologna. Um, he says, it might actually happen, boys. Napoli are bottling it. Um, Steve... Honestly, mad respect Steve to you, bro. Deserves you, a round of applause. You've been, man. you've been like laughing in my face every time I said Napoli. You know, Napoli can win the league. You just go like, and I, and I was like, yeah, what, right. dude? They're doing well. Like, come on. You're like, no, dude. They'll bottle it. Their mentality is fucking terrible. And he's, he's right. You know, they did bottle it. This was a bottle of the highest order. Yeah, this this was that San Benedetto fresh water from the fucking river of wherever the fuck it comes from. It's it's. Fjords bottled water as well No, I mean Literally They they couldn't have done it worse If they tried yeah. I mean Conceding 3 in 10 minutes Against Bologna In the last 10 minutes of the game One through a goalkeeping error Like that I know it's an individual mistake But that individual is part of the club So That yeah. that, that subsequently affects you um, Sell him See what you're gonna do <laughs> And You know I think Napoli had a, had overall a good season, but it's tough to say. It's bittersweet, you know, to say that when they they slipped up in the important moment, but they put themselves in a good position early, and hopefully for them they'll see some more consistency exactly. next they year. They would have been happy with a top four finish, and they're going to get it at the end of the day. Yeah. It's disappointing, of course, that they couldn't go all the way, but um, mm-hmm. but you know this will be positive. I'm overall. not disappointed. Yeah, for them it'll be it'll be positive now. Um, I believe we received a piece of content. Yes, we did. We received a video. The perfect example from, of a that, is our, that is our podcast playing from my phone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so our final question comes from our boy Meagles. You all know him from Twitter. Hey. He's the guy with the massive Discord server, of course, for mm-hmm. all to get together. And the banter must be next level. I don't actually use Discord very much. I'm a bit of a boomer. Yeah, same really, here. Like I used to use it for, to game, like play League of oh, Legends back. I in downloaded day, it and never. I think I used it when I, I tried out League once. I never quite used it as all. like a chatting platform. You know what mm. I mean? But anyway, mm. it's a good tool though. Yeah, he sends this video. Of course, this is in light of Milan's new ownership deal, which is, which, is, which talks for have recently accelerated, of course. Are you excited for that, bro? Choo-choo, motherfucker, choo-choo. Bro, I just hope everything goes through. It would be nuts. What a successful project by Elliot to inherit the club, make it profitable, sell it for the highest amount a football club has ever been sold fun fact 1.2 billion a club has never been sold for that amount granted uh, inflation but like you take um, the piss. absolutely serious like bro what so this would be historic you know and they're a very powerful group of men 
uh, as in from, men, from where yeah. I'm standing, I mean, surprise, surprise, right? <laughs> to me, it just seems like these guys came in out of nowhere and suddenly are like, yeah, we're serious about our offer. We want to pay 1.1 billion for yeah. your club. And then like two weeks later and it's close to being finalized so they just came in and they meant business off the get-go now this is from where i'm standing it could be that they've been liaising for months behind the yeah, scenes and the public you know eye I mean? it's a very new thing you know what i mean yeah. um, we all knew that elliot wanted to flip the club there was no yeah. long-term project they just wanted to sell it for a profit that's how they run their hedge fund at the end of the day so um so yeah exciting exciting times oh i'm very excited and you know as fans, we need to treat ourselves with, you know, like a, a satin robe of Milan or something yeah. to, to celebrate. Something a bit, you know, a bit exotic. <laughs> something a bit naughty. <laughs> something a bit pervy. <laughs> exactly. Guys, this has been a, a fun episode in it particular. It has been a blast. You so know? we hope you guys enjoyed it. It's currently half past one in the morning here at Mota. We're both working tomorrow, so we're in quite a rush to get back to bed. Um, we hope you tune in, we hope you give it a listen, and we hope that you engage with us. We hope you follow us, rate us, like us, love us, whatever. Chastise us, no problem guys, we'll take it. We'll take it, 100%. So thank you very much guys, hopefully we'll see you at this time next week. Oh yeah!